We meet today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Today we are considering verses 1 to verse 10. The theme of this chapter is the coming of Christ is a rousing hope. In this final chapter of 1 Thessalonians, we see the Christian's action in view of the return of Christ Jesus. In chapter 1, you will recall that we considered the Christian attitude towards the return of Christ. Now, if the attitude does not lead to action, something is radically wrong. For attitude is what gives birth to action. The coming of Christ is a rousing hope which leads to action. Now, the believer in Christ is to be awake and alert in view of the coming of Christ Jesus. Why? Because the believer will not enter into that awful night of the great tribulation period, which is labeled the day of the Lord. That day of the Lord actually begins with a night, because that is God's way of marking time. He begins that way in Genesis, where it says that the evening and the morning were the first day. God begins in night but moves into light. So the great tribulation period leads into the glorious millennial reign of Christ when the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1 says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Well, again here we have the word times, and that word refers to more specific and precise occasions. Now, the word seasons refers to the great moving periods of God's eternal plan. The word for time is the Greek word chronos, from which we get our English word chronology. The times and the seasons, or the chronology, is not for the church. The day of the Lord would seem to begin with the rapture's occurrence. The word day in this context denotes a broad but definite period of time. A literal 24-hour period is not what is in view here. That day will suddenly overtake the unsaved people who remain behind, according to verse 2. When the Lord Jesus comes as a thief in the night, the rapture is the event towards which all believers may expectantly look. In Titus 2 verse 13, Paul calls it the blessed hope. My friend, do you have this blessed hope ahead of you? What should this hope do? It is a rousing hope. It causes you to come into action. So, the times and the seasons here are not the property of the church, for they belong to this earth and to an earthly people, both Israel and the Gentiles, who will be saved in that day, in that day of tribulation. The church is not looking to that day. The church is looking for a person, not for times and seasons. And remember, the person that the church is looking to is Jesus Christ. And when he shall appear, the church shall be caught up with him in the clouds. And the Bible says, so we shall be with the Lord forever. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. 
First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 2. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ does not come to the church like a thief in the night. And I'm emphasizing the fact that his coming will not be as a thief in the night to the church. The church is looking for and is awaiting for his coming. So his coming cannot be considered a thief in the night. You don't wait for a thief and look for him and leave a note for him on the back door when you leave your house to say, I left the back door open for you. No, that's not how we say. We don't say, Mr. Thief, you will find the family silver in the third drawer to the right in the dining room. I have gone away. Now, I don't imagine you have ever left such a note really leaving it for a thief. The chances are that you check everything before you leave your house, making sure that your home is doubly locked. You want to keep the thief out. So the Lord Jesus does not come as a thief to the church. We are waiting for him. We are expecting his coming. However, the Lord Jesus does come like a thief to the world after the church has been raptured. The day of the Lord will come suddenly on the earth and it will begin with the night of the great tribulation period. Then finally, Christ will personally come to this earth. To an unbelieving world, his coming will be like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will suddenly come. For when they say, peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 3 Now, do you notice the change of the pronoun even in this verse. In the first two verses, Paul is addressing the brethren and he says that it is not necessary for him to write to them about the times and the seasons because they will have nothing to do with the times and the seasons. Why? Because believers will be gone at that time. But now here in verse 3, the pronoun changes to they. And he says, when they shall say, peace and safety. Listen to that verse once again. For when they say, peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. That change of the pronoun from we, from brethren to they, is now making a distinction between the church and the world. So trouble will come upon the world that is unsaved, and the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Let me again repeat that the day of the Lord is a period of time which begins with the great tribulation and it goes through the millennial reign of Christ here upon the earth. Now, there are many passages of scriptures which speak of this. For example, in Isaiah chapter 12 to chapter 13, you can read how God moves down in judgment on society and government, on the military and commerce and art and pomp and pride and religion. For example, Isaiah 13 verse 9 tells us, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate 
and he will destroy its sinners from it. You see, it starts out as a day of wrath. Verse 10 of Isaiah 13 says, For the stars of heaven and their constellation will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. You see, my friend, in the prophecy of Joel, we are told in Joel 1 verse 15, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. And Joel goes on in chapter 2 to describe it as a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Joel chapter 2, verse 2. You see, my friend, this is the picture that is given to us in the Old Testament, the picture of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a period which begins with the great tribulation and it goes through the millennial reign of Christ. That is the theme in the Old Testament. Now the event described in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, the coming of Christ to take the church out of the world, is not even mentioned in the Old Testament. It is there by type of cause, such as the experiences of Enoch and Elijah, both of whom were taken up alive to be with the Lord. But it is not taught in the Old Testament that the Lord Jesus is going to take a company of people out of this earth to be with himself. This is a glorious and wonderful truth which was revealed first in the upper room when the Lord Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. According to John 14, verse 2 to verse 3. As far as I know, that is the first time this truth is revealed in the Bible. And Paul developed it in chapter 4 of First Thessalonians. However, when he comes here to chapter 5, he is speaking of something which was well known in the Old Testament talking of the day of the Lord, talking of that great day of tribulation. When they say, peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. It is going to be a big surprise to the world when the Lord comes. They are not going to expect it. And I believe that the big lie, which we will see in the second chapter, of Second Thessalonians is the promise of peace and safety. The Lord Jesus actually warned of that. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. Now the world expects to enter a great era of peace, the millennial, but they will find themselves plunged into the great tribulation, which will include the greatest war the world has ever seen. It will come upon them suddenly like a thief. In the night. Please also note that in the paragraph beginning verse 4 all the way to verse 11, that is what we will be looking at, there is the contrast between watchful believers and those who are caught by surprise at the beginning of the day of God's wrath, which Joel chapter 1 verse 15 described. 
since the latter belongs to the sphere of darkness, a metaphor for spiritual darkness, the events of the end time are not discerned or comprehended by them. And believers are spiritually insensitive to the prophetic agenda of God. In contrast, the return of Christ serves as an encouragement to the believers to live holy and pure lives. First John chapter 3 verse 1 to verse 3 tells us that anyone who has this hope of the coming of Christ cleanses himself from all sin so that when the Lord arrives, no one will need to be ashamed or unprepared to meet the Savior. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. You are not of the night, nor of darkness. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 and verse 5. Now that again, this verse separates between those of darkness and those of light. And specifically, this verse says... The day of the Lord should never overtake you as a thief. Why? Because you are sons of the light. But for those who are in darkness, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, the rapture of the church actually does two things. The first one is that it ends this day of grace in which we are today. This calling out a people for his name and the bringing of many sons home to glory. This is what God is doing today. But the rapture not only ends that, it ends that it also begins the day of the Lord. The great tribulation will get underway when the church leaves this earth. The one event of the rapture will end the day of grace and begin the day of the Lord. It closes one day and opens another day. Isn't that amazing? Closing one day, opening the other day. The day that we are living in now, the age of the Holy Spirit, the age of the church, the age of grace is a day. It will be ended by the day of the Lord. And then it will give us that day of great tribulation, which will also be a period of time. He says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Why won't it? Well, because we won't be there. That day will actually happen when the church is translated. We found in chapter 4 of First Thessalonians, that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and take his church out of the world. You are all the children of light. In other words, you don't belong to that dispensation or that period of time which is coming in the future. You belong to the dispensation of grace in which we are today. When the day of the Lord comes, my friend, we are going to be with the Lord. We are not in darkness. That day will not overtake us as a thief in the night. He does not come to us as a thief in the night. He does not come to his church as a thief in the night. The church is looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Now Paul gives the admonition to the believers in view of the coming of the great day of the Lord. What must believers do? Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The Bible language is very specific whenever you see a verse or a statement beginning with this word, therefore, it is saying as a consequence of what had been said previously, this is what ought to happen. Therefore, because the day of the Lord will come, it will not find you like a thief in the night. It will come because you are also expecting the appearing of the Lord. What must you do? You must not sleep as what the world does. You must watch and be sober. Well, sleep here is not a reference to death as in chapter 4 verse 13 to verse 15, just in case someone will miss it. But the word sleep here refers to spiritual laxity, which characterizes the unserved people, the unbelievers. The Christian's attitude, on the other hand, is characterized by watchfulness and sober awareness of how one should act in every circumstance, especially as he lives in the light of the Lord's imminent return. You see here, my friend, the rapture of the church, that blessed hope could take place at any time. It could take place right now as we are talking because of this. We should not be sleeping Christians. Now Paul is saying, in view of the fact that the Lord is going to take the church out of the world before that awful period of tribulation, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The word sober has several meanings. It can mean to stay sober in the sense of not using an alcoholic stimulant. But there are also other kinds of drunkenness besides that which is caused by alcohol or by drugs. A lot of people get drunk on power. They get drunk on making money or they get drunk on seeking after pleasures of this world. The child of God is to stay sober and is to watch. Why, my friend? Because these tremendous events are to take place in the future. So watch out. Now, I believe we are so close to the time of the return of Christ now. I don't know when, of course, but I think we are close. And I know I can say with Paul, for now is the time of our salvation. Now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Romans 13 verse 11. Our salvation, our ultimate salvation is nearer than when we believed. That statement is true. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 7 to verse 8. You see, we have this hope. What must we do? In view of the Lord's coming, the admonition is that we must not sleep as others do. 
Those who sleep, they sleep at night. Those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. We are of the day. And for us to show that we are of the day, what must we do? We must put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation, that is a very important statement. It speaks here of a soldier's duty, and it is a call to that kind of duty. The breastplate of faith and love is to cover the heart, the vital part of the body. The helmet is the hope of salvation. Well, today it isn't the style for many or women actually to put on their heads. But most people today go bareheaded. But it should, however, be the style of every child of God to wear not the helmet of this world or the ordinary heads that we put on our heads to cover our heads. We must put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. That is making sure that we have a right relationship with God. That is making sure that our standing before God is not dependent upon our works, but upon the accomplished work of Calvary salvation. Well, again, notice here, we have faith, love, and hope. This is now the third time that these three key words have appeared in this epistle. Remember that we talked about the labor of love, the work of faith, the patience of hope. Faith is a saving faith, and a saving faith produces works. John Calvin said, Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. You see, my friend, faith looks to the past when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Love is for the present, which is the relationship that the believer should have with those around him. The hope of salvation is that blessed hope of the future. We are not looking for the great tribulation period. I don't see how there could be any rejoicing in that period. We are looking for that blessed hope, which is the consummation of our salvation. And John writes in First John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. So we shall see him as he is. My friend, God is not through with me, so don't be impatient with me. He is still shaping me for his kingdom. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 9. Well, this verse serves as a word of encouragement for believers. We are not appointed to wrath. Used here is the eschatological thought of First Thessalonians chapter 1. This text would seem to support the view that believers will be excluded from the tribulation, that is the day of the Lord or the day of wrath which is coming. This position is known as pre-tribulationism and it sees the church being raptured or taken out of the world prior to the time of God's wrath. Thus, the rapture of the church and the return of Christ to the earth are separated as to their chronology and content. Though they are related aspects of the eschaton, they must be viewed as distinct and separate events.
who died for us, that whether we work or sleep, we should live together with him. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 10. Isn't this amazing? Whether we die first or whether we live until the coming of Christ, we shall live together with him. This is an encouragement. Now most of the church has already gone through the doorway of death. Early believers over 2,000 years since the church began, they have all died. They have gone through the doorway of death. What a parade that will be someday, beginning with Stephen and the apostles, the martyrs, all those who have fallen asleep in Jesus Christ down through the ages, and then those who are alive at his coming. And if you and I are still alive, we will bring up the rear. Thank God we shall be there by the grace of God. Now, what will these wonderful truths do for you? The next verses actually tell us, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. What a comfort this is to the believers. Also, as the Pauline concept of life in Christ, here with him, is an essential aspect of the theology of the church. A life with Christ is characterized by mutual edification. We will look at how we can mutually edify one another in obedience to that promise as we await the coming of Christ. We must comfort each other and edify one another. But that for our next program. Today, may God's grace be abundant for you to enable you to prepare yourself waiting for the coming of the Savior. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.